What is up, guys? Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. I'm really excited. Um, We're going to do something special for you today. What I've noticed is a lot of listeners have recently came on and they've they've started to go back and listen to some of the, the episodes that we've done in the past and they're trying to catch up. So we thought it would be a great idea and really helpful for a lot of the new Reborn listeners uh, if we did a best of show and kind of highlighted some of my favorite episodes um, on the Reborn podcast. So today we're going to do something special. Now that we're halfway through 2021, which is absolutely crazy, um, we wanted to go back and kind of look back at at some of the best advice that we've had this year um, from our Reborn guests. So if... uh, I'm trying. Do you have a favorite podcast that we've done? I really liked our interview with Jack Carr. Jack yeah, Carr he was, was really one, good. He was one of the coolest people I think I've met so far being yeah. on this show. Loved him. Dara was awesome. That was a long time ago. That was season one. That was like my first episode, actually. Uh, I don't know. What about you? Um, man, I uh, it's I can't just pick one. I I would probably want to say them all because I think you can get a lot of takeaways from all the guests. I mean, every guest. I think that's, uh, I, that's something that I have learned about podcasting, podcasting people who do it and they've done it for a while. Like they, they make it seem so easy and there definitely (laughs) is a learning curve when it comes to even like learning how to either interview people or just like learning about like the topics that you want to talk about. And, um, it, I mean, I like skill, it is a skill. It's a skill. And so I, I feel like that I personally have came a long ways. Um, and also just kind of like my, like I can have a tendency to be a little bit more shy. So like just being able to open up and like talk, like that, but I never believe I do. I really do. I do. Like sometimes I I have like a hard time just kind of like opening up and (laughs) talking to people and like carrying on a conversation. So, um, so I, I really liked Emily Frazella. Um, and then we yeah. also had Andy Frazella and on, which was like a really cool. That's um, a power team right there. That's yeah, husband and wife. But power team, but they do everything like separate. So, which is that really is cool. awesome. It's always nice to have a separate life from um, your significant other. So we're going to go through some of these. I really hope that you guys enjoy the show and uh, let us know if there's anybody else that you guys would like, like to have on or would like for me to interview, bring on Lena and I. So let's get into it. All right. Emily Frazella. Emily appeared on the show in March. Um, Emily, she's an entrepreneur, author, podcaster. I know. And we're just, we're we're already halfway through the, you know, it's like 90 days till Christmas or something. No, it's not 90. 90 days. It's July 8th. Wait, is it July 8th? July 7th. Christmas in July. August, September, October, November, December. Five months. Five times 30. 150. Five, Five months until Christmas, guys. That's so crazy. Don't freak <laughs> out. But if I were you, I'd stop your start your Christmas shopping now. Um, all right. So uh, we had her back in March and um, she is the founder of the Women in Business Workshop, which I had the uh, privilege of going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the privilege of going out to St. Louis and, and speaking and being a part of her Women in Business Workshop. So I, I highly, highly recommend that. Um, she's also the COO of 44-7 Media, the media company that creates, distributes products from her husband, podcaster and consultant, Andy Frazella. She also founded the stationery company, The Paper and Plan Co., and wrote the cookbooks, The Fresh Farmhouse Kitchen and The Saint's Plate and The Sinner's Dinner. So um, I have a bunch of her 
uh, stationery that she has and from the paper and plan co that she, she's like the CEO. It helps me so much staying organized. And, um, I'm like a really big, uh, I guess journaler, like I, a lister, like I make lots of lists. And so, um, they have, she has so much stuff like available for you if you're wanting to get your life more organized. Uh, and the cookbooks, I don't have any of her cookbooks. However, I've seen her, um, I've seen her post a lot of like really healthy meals mm-hmm. on her social media. So, um, definitely opportunity for that. If you guys are wanting nutrition to kind is of key when you're training guys. Yes. Yes. So she has a lot of good things. Um, so she, uh, also co-hosts the curious me podcast with health expert Mindy Muslim. Um, in this clip, Emily discusses the importance of jumping into the next challenge, the power of faking it until you make it, and why women shouldn't feel pressure to be perfect Pinterest women <laughs> or mothers. Um, that's actually really important too, like just like not worrying about like the pressure. So um, let's get right into her clip and uh, see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Uh, I, but what is it that you think that holds women back from chasing down their dreams of being a fearless entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it's a lot of what you said. It's that it's that fear and that lack of confidence. And again, I I was the same way. I was so shy as a kid. I would like be in the other room and like peek around the corner to watch the kids play. And like I didn't come out of my shell till I was in high school. And I, I threw myself into public speaking just because I knew I was going to be terrified of it. I have no idea why I even did that because I was even out of my comfort zone then so much so where I wouldn't even have talked myself into it. Like it's just, but it helped me build confidence by jumping in. And I realized by me jumping into that and being so scared that nobody hated me, nobody heckled me, nobody was throwing stuff at me. And I realized, you know what, this isn't as bad. You know what I mean? I built it up so terribly in my mind that I was just going to fall flat on my face and I didn't. And so every time I did it thereafter, I gained a little bit more confidence, a little more confidence. And, you know, I also think it is like societal pressures of like, you know, and especially, you know, women that have children of like trying to be this super Pinterest mom and, you know, wanting to be a strong person to chase their things, but they're, they're putting themselves on the back burner. But when you step up and you're strong and, you know, your own will to, you know, succeed, that's such a killer, you know, um, thing for you to show as a role model to your kids of like, you know, my mom was strong. Like you talked about your mom whenever you were here, when we were in the living room, we were talking about like how strong she is. She's just a badass and she's a go-getter. Like I remember that con- that conversation vividly. Because it just goes to show because I, you know, that's why you are who you are because you saw that though, even though you were shy, but you had to come into that, you know, and I just think a lot of women are just scared, but there's really, you you know, it's always going to be worth the, you know, the risk that you take. Nothing terrible is ever going to happen, you know, and I just like to think, you know, you always have to be fencing out. That's when you're investing yourself, you know, like on a farm, like you fence out because you're buying more land, you're leasing more land, you're building out, you're growing. When we start fencing ourselves in and closing in, it's, you know, you end up, it's, it's like a pressure you start to throw on yourself until you just, you almost kind of lose yourself in that way. So it's important that we kind of keep every year fence out a little bit more. And we are always evolving and changing. I think it's seven years in seven years, every single cell, everything in your body has turned over. And so you are a new person then. So I think like you said, like faking it, I did the same thing. It's like, I, I knew I wanted to be that person, but it was truly the fake it till you make it where I'd post on Instagram, like, oh gosh, how long until these trolls come attack me? How long until like, you know, if they're going to hate me or whatever and nothing bad right. ever happened from it. So with that, then it kept getting better and better. But I just think it's, it's getting out of our own head and quit like psyching ourselves mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to put out this question to you guys. Like, what is it, 
What is it that you think that holds, I don't even want to say women back because I feel like that's irrelevant when it comes to business. And we've talked Mm -hmm. about this before, like hard work doesn't discriminate. It's just, it's hard fucking work. And it doesn't matter if you're man or woman or whatever you are. Hard work doesn't discriminate. Yeah. Like, I think that, um, like we become, we become afraid of taking chances because, in our minds, we have this idea of like, well, what happens if we don't? Or like, what right. happens if we can't? Or we let the outside world influence our decisions. And um, that's when I just tell people, you got to put the blinders on and you got to go all in. Yeah, it's almost like vision it. you can't, um, yeah, you can't, you can't sit here and contemplate like, oh, what happens if I don't? Or just, you know, put one foot in and you have one foot out, like you're getting ready to run out I the door. I feel like we always focus on like what happens if we don't succeed, but we never really think what happens if I do. Yeah. And something mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I think we needed, except seeing it as a risk, see it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to rise and to achieve something mm-hmm. greater than yourself rather than oh my God, I might fail and I might ruin my life or something like that. Maybe not as drastic as that, but mm-hmm. women are we're breaking through glass ceilings left and right. You know, which we just got to keep that positive mentality. And like you said, blinders on goals and focus. I was talking to one of my employees yesterday and uh, they were saying like, well, you know, we're talking about like moving some businesses around and doing some new things. And, um, and this particular employee was like, well, maybe like, maybe we should, um, just basically saying like, like, should we just be cautious about the move? And I said, no, like we have to go full in. Like you have mm-hmm. to tell yourself that you basically have to give yourself a, a date, like a date, like a cutoff date. It's almost like weaning an animal or weaning right. a child from their mother <laughs> or potty training or whatever. You can't like, if you, it, this is so silly, but I'm sure like if you're a mother, you understand this. If you were like, Oh, like I'm going to kind of potty train my child and kind of not potty train my child. You're not really going to potty train your child because nope. you're going to have that crutch of like, Oh, putting a diaper on, you know what I did with all three of my boys one day, boom, just threw all the diapers in the trash. That was it. <laughs> really? Dude, I was done. Yeah, I was done. And I think that like, you know, <clears throat> when it comes to like businesses and stuff, you guys are like things that you want to do. Um, I mean, so many times people are like what I hear in, in the fitness realm or whatever, like, Oh, they want to do a show. I want to do a show. I want to run a marathon. I want to run an ultra. I want to, I want to, I want to do, you got to, you got to sign up for it. Mm-hmm. You got to sign up and you got to commit, you got to commit to it. So, um, and then, uh, on, on the ying to her yang, Mr. Andy Frazella was, uh, another really great, uh, podcast that we had. Andy is an entrepreneur. He's an author, speaker, and the host of the popular podcast, Real AF. Uh, he's also hosted the MF CEO podcast project. He is the founder of the Free Mental Strength and Discipline Program, 75 Hard, and is the CEO of um, of the incredible nutrition company, First Form. Uh, he came on my show in May, uh, and we're going to look at this cl- clip right here, or listen to this clip. Andy discusses the importance of allowing others and yourself to make mistakes and learn from them. And this is, this is so, so important, and I think that this is going to change your way of thinking when it comes to running businesses, um, and, and how to kind of, uh, how to kind of lead in that way. If, if there was somebody that I was most nervous about interviewing or just kind of, yeah, but it was like, I couldn't really identify what 
because I wasn't nervous. You guys have been like friends though for a little while yeah, now, right? I just, I had, I really look up to him as a business person mm-hmm. and I had so many questions that I wanted to ask him and just like his demeanor, like his overall demeanor. And you know. I remember when you were prepping for that podcast too. Yeah, she I was had like, a full I list. Did. Of, she was prepared. I, uh, I go into these podcasts like, you know, I, I go over my notes and like we do our research and stuff. And um, and I genuinely always want to interview the people that we interview. But with Andy, I had literally a bullet point list of questions that I wanted she to ask him. Growing. Um, so we're going to look at Andy's um, and then we're going to we're going to break that down and and uh, and discuss that. My question to you is, um, are there, like, how do you, do you have a mentor? Um, how do you learn? How have you became like the person you are and able to make the decisions that you've been able to make today? Well, a lot of it, you know, is <clears throat> I had a good dad, man. Um, you know, I, I, I don't talk about luck very much because people take the, anytime you talk about luck, and they turn it into their excuse as to why they're not doing shit. Um, mm-hmm. But I did get lucky with with the parents I had and what I got to see growing up. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, um, so I was exposed to these kind of things all the time. To me, that was normal growing up, right? Um, I can remember going to meetings with my dad at his uh, uh, electric company and, and sitting in meetings when I was eight, nine, ten years old. And so um, some of it was like that right? Uh, where I just picked up what I observed, but most of it was either reading uh, people who had already done it or making the mistake and just learning my lesson. And, and I like to tell people, you know, uh, when it comes to your managers and it comes to your leadership that are on the ground, like you said, it's extremely important that you allow them to make mistakes and not, um, fire them. So, so I see a lot of companies because one of the things that I do is, is uh, I have Arte Syndicate with Ed Milet, which is an entrepreneurial, uh, basically think tank community um, that is that is all geared towards small business. And one of the things that I see the most common with business that struggle with creating some of the leadership that we need on the ground is that they don't allow them to make mistakes. They see it as um, they don't see it properly. The proper way to see your employees' mistakes is an, is an investment in their skill set. And so, what happens is a lot of a lot of small businesses will terminate people prematurely, bring in new people, and then the new people end up making the same mistake anyway. So, we have to understand as business owners that that those are investments in our in our um, growth at, in terms of experienced employees. You know, you mentioned coming to first form. Every single person that you've talked to here has made big mistakes, all of them. So, uh, but but it's okay because we talk about it. We say, okay, what's the lesson? The lesson is this, this, and this. Oh, it cost us, you know, I, I can remember back in 2010, um, one of our employees cost me uh, 12 grand on a t-shirt order and, and I had to throw it out. And dude, in 2010, I had to have $12,000 to throw out. Uh, and, and this is where, you know, that lesson came into play where it's like, okay, well, we can fire this person or we can just make sure it never happens again. And that's how we get better as a company. Um, so I think that's a big, a big thing that people need to remember is that when we make mistakes, we've got we've to have some grace 
to understand that people are going to make it and that it's actually a good thing for your company's growth long-term as long as they learn the lesson. But most of the things that I've learned, honestly, uh, I came from touching the stove, man. You know, I touched the fucking stove and it burnt my hand. I didn't do it again. And uh, that's, that's, it's that simple. You know, you just, as the longer you do it, the better you're going to get, you know, and as long as you remember not to make those mistakes twice, eventually by default, you're going to get pretty good. So, and that's really kind of my story. So it's easy as a entrepreneurs, right? Cause a, a lot of, um, especially like younger entrepreneurs are, I mean, even for me, I feel like I'm not necessarily like a young entrepreneur anymore. I've, I've done a lot. I've been through a lot, had a lot of lessons, but, uh, a lot of it is so emotional. Um, it's easy for us, especially starting out that you want to make emotional decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, my advice and what Andy said, it really kind of, um, got my mind thinking in like different directions when it comes to like building up the leadership. And cause he's right. It's like every, uh, new person that you bring on, it doesn't matter how much experience they're going to have. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make the wrong decision. And, um, you have to learn from, you have to help them learn from those decisions, uh, to, to move on and to, to grow, to grow the company. But, um, what I, what I highly encourage every single business owner to do is, um, in the heat of the moment when, when something is wrong or somebody didn't do something that they were supposed to do and you knew they were supposed to do it, um, you don't text, you don't call, you don't email, you don't make any decisions, you don't even make or initiate a conversation because what happens is that's an emotional lash out. So mm-hmm. what I like to do is like, if if something goes wrong at work in any of my businesses or any of my companies, um, I just take a step back and I completely disconnect and then you can come back to it and um, address the problem with a clear mind a business mind and it's not emotional it's not emotional and you're not thinking oh why did you know why did sarah do that because like she knows that i like this and it just you know it you gotta take the emotions out of it i've not been fired yet (laughs) it is (laughs) we're on like mistake 12 with lana no (laughs) lana is a star employee um casey mitchell appeared on the show in may i absolutely love he was so funny yeah he's such a great guy Casey is a true American hero um, with an incredible reborn story. He completely encompasses what it means um, for the reborn stories and and what we're all about here. In 2010, he lost his leg after an explosion while serving in the U.S. Army in Afghanistan. Um, After overcoming an an addiction to painkillers and battling depression, Casey embraced his passion for fitness, eventually becoming a widely recognized national powerlifting competitor. He is also the CEO of the supplement brand Rising Labs. He's a speaker and an Instagram personality with nearly a quarter million of followers to his account, One-Legged Monster. That is his Instagram name. (laughs) And so I definitely recommend, if you guys are not following him, to follow him. Uh, Seeing him train and lift and just running the businesses. He's also a father. He has like a a small girl. yeah. And... uh, just I've I've known him for years. He came out to Virginia Beach probably three or four years ago. Maybe this was four the years story ago. Of the Murph, right? No, the well, horrible we, Murph. We did the Murph at the end. Yeah, but we did a twenty-four hour 
Merv. No, a 24-hour wad where it was every hour oh, on oh, the hour. Yeah, 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 we yeah, did okay, a hero mind. wad and we dedicated this was for Veterans Day. Um and we dedicated we dedicated it to uh to a fallen a fallen soldier. And so um <laughs> Dude, he like absolutely hated hated me, and then we battled it out at the end. He did. He, we both did the Murph, and uh, you know, because up up at that point, Casey had never had never really participated in like functional fitness or CrossFit style, quote unquote, right. type of fitness. And so, whenever you know, he's a powerlifter, and and that's where a lot of his you know he he is strong. He's a strong motherfucker, and so. Um, <laughs> he's a strong motherfucker. Yeah, he's strong, <laughs> dude, even with one leg. So, I mean, dude, guys, if you guys are complaining that you don't want to work out today or that you just don't feel like it, I mean, this Listen is why Casey. it's important to follow people like Casey is because, um, you know, literally no excuses. We have both legs. It's just, it comes, you know, most people have both legs anyways, but it just comes down <laughs> to the will of like defies of, expectations. You're going to do it. So we're going to take a listen. We're going to take a listen at, um, we're going to take a listen to this clip. Um, he's just going to tell, we're going to talk about overcoming the hardships and the negative dark times in life and uh, navigating through that. So here it is. And with life, you know, there is no, you know, pause. There is no put another quarter in. You get to come back and redo it. You know, there is none of that. It's, 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 this is it. And it's very mm -hmm. precious. And uh, now I like, I do, I try to live my life very, very fast paced because I want to do as much as I can with how much time I got left. And, you know, I just tell myself when I get into these, these modes where I'm just very upset or I am feeling like I'm getting beat down or I'm overwhelmed um, or things just continuously aren't going right. Um, you, you know, you, you got to just dig deep and fight through it. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and if you do, it, it all comes around, you know, it, it'll, it'll pick back up. Nobody, you know, unless you put yourself into certain situations can sit there and, um, live every day miserable because like you, for example, you've been, a, you've been to some crazy places in this world where you've done things for these people that live horribly. And we're over here bitching about, you know, little things when there's people over here that barely, they, they don't even know if they're going to get water, fresh water, right, or if they're going to get relative. to eat today or tomorrow. You know what I mean? So, it, it, and that's what, you, and that's what I think is like, unfortunately with us, like here, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of us humans were accustomed or we think that we have to live a certain way. And, and that like, you know, like, for example, like, you know, for me, like, for example, let's say my company starts going under, Oh my God, life's over. I lose my company. Da, da, da. No, it's not, you know, it's just got to figure out how to do it. If you don't, if you do lose your company, then you got to figure out what you're going to do next and how to fight back. Mm -hmm. You know, I get, I still get to wake up every day to my daughter. I still get to wake up every day with a roof. I got food, water, you know, friends, family that can actually help you. There's just parts of this world that they don't get that opportunity, but yet they're, a lot of them are happier than a lot of us, mm -hmm. you know? So see, it's crazy to see it, but that's just kind of how I think now, I, you know, don't get me wrong. Depression is a real thing. Even the hard ass of my, like myself, I get depressed, <laughs> you know, but it just takes time. That, uh... to, it takes time to come out of it. Yeah. Do you think that, that fitness, uh, saved you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think 100% it did. Uh, I think I would have, I think it gave you purpose. I think fitness and my, uh, fitness and my daughter saved me. Fitness gave mm -hmm. me purpose, uh, for sure. Uh, it gave me a lot of drive. It gave me, 
uh, a sense of like, especially when I did my first powerlifting competition, like, damn, I, I did that shit. Like I really did it with all the doctors, all the people, all the coaches and everybody thinking like, there's no fucking way I did that shit. All right. There you guys heard it from Casey Mitchell. And, um, you know, just listening to him talk, it's like everything that we go through in life is relative. Like the, the, the trials that we have and whenever we think that we have a bad day, it's all relative. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, there's been times like I haven't been to Haiti in a while, but you talk about putting like your life in perspective and I, those, those children over there. And if you followed me for a while, you know that like my heart is in Haiti and a lot of what I do charity wise, it, it's, it's for the children at Maison Fortune uh, orphanage in Haiti. But it's like, we complain about the smallest things here in America. I think yep. that, uh, what we go through and the, and the things that, that we think is hard or difficult. Um, it's all, it's all relative. And I'm not saying that it's it, like everybody has different mountains to climb. Everybody goes through a different type right. of darkness. It doesn't mean that like, it's like your struggles aren't validated. They definitely very, very much are. But what Casey is saying is that you can't allow the hardships or the mountains or the darkness, um, uh, or even like the depression that you go through, um, like make, make yourself stagnant. You have mm -hmm. to continue to fight and to always see the positivity of the silver lining, so to speak. And, um, that is a, a true thing. And there are so many people like the children in Haiti. There's so many people, uh, who are just, they are so happy and they have absolutely nothing or they're going through some crazy, crazy hardships. So for me, like whenever I'm struggling or, or things are getting tough or, um, I just think about, I just think about that. I know that there's someone, someone out there somewhere who is going through a much, much more difficult time. And, you know, I have my family, I have my boys. Um, there's so many great blessings that we all have that are absolutely free. So, um, just keep reminding yourself that and, uh, just use that to I kind like of like get that. through the dark. Well, you just said there's so many great blessings in life that are free. That yeah. should be on a poster. <laughs> I'm sure it probably <laughs> is. Um, oh my gosh. Um, all right, number four, Jack Carr. Jack Carr is a former Navy SEAL sniper who channels his real-life experiences into nail-biting, page-turning action in his novel series, The Terminal List. The action series follows the adventures of James Reese, a Navy SEAL who becomes embroiled in the world of conspiracies, international espionage, and revenge the latest installment, The Devil's Hand, recently hit the shelves. Jack is also the host of the brand new Ironclad original podcast, Danger Close. The Danger Close podcast launch comes as Amazon Studio begins production work on the adaption of The Terminalist, starring Chris Pratt as James Reese. Uh, Jack Carr appeared on the show in April, and this clip, Jack Jack talks about how to navigate transitions in life and the importance of being resilient and intentional in the pursuit of your dreams. So um, Jack is just an all around awesome dude, just a great human. And he does give so us a lot earth. of advice. And I think this is really important. People transitioning out of the military and going into the civilian life. Um, uh, 
and and just kind of like I don't know. Let's let's listen to this clip right here, and then we're kind of we'll come back and we'll, we will uh, dissect it. Did you have any problems separating and going into the civilian world? Which I know a lot of people, especially operators, um, it's kind of a, it's a shock. It's it's a shock when they go into the real world, and it's just like you know. Uh, what well, I probably shouldn't even say the real world, but into civilization, whenever you don't have your brothers there, you don't have that core group of of people who just have your back all the time. How was that? And do you think that the writing um, and becoming an author and becoming James Reese, did that help you? Uh, did that help you with the transition? Absolutely. Like the writing was very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those that have read it, know, will know what I mean uh, by that. And so that really helped in that respect. Um, but uh, but it, yeah, it was it wasn't a tough transition, I would say, but it's just because I was so passionate about what I what I wanted to do next. Um, and a lot of guys have a hard time identifying what that next passion is. Uh, and a lot of the second novel, True Believer, is about that. It's a novel of redemption. About it's a journey of uh, trying to find that next mission in life, that next passion in life, learning to live again. Um, and and a lot of people I saw try to recreate what they had in the military on the outside. So uh, going into that, you have to realize that you're not going to, you're not going to be shoulder to shoulder with your brothers downrange in a firefight, uh, solely focused on a mission. Uh, no, you're in, uh, it's, it's going to be different now. And that was a, that was a huge part, very impactful for all of us. But now when we make this transition into the private sector, um, we have to know that just like anything in life, it doesn't matter. It could be a death of a loved one. It could be a divorce, it could be changing jobs. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's, mm-hmm. there's transitions we're all going to go through and we're all going to get knocked down along this path, um, that's just normal. Um, so you have to realize that moving into the private sector, that it's not going to be the same. And I shouldn't try to recreate what I had in the military here in new job, whatever mm-hmm. that is, because if that's my expectation, then I'm going to be uh, very disappointed in how that turns out. So for, for guys that are transitioning out, um, I think it's so important uh, to take that breath and try to identify that that calling, listen to that, to, to, to that calling. Um, and then also, if you're trying to kind of figure it out, I think it's so valuable to do month-long internships in different industries because if you think you want to, if you know what you want to do as you're getting out, what's that based on? Is that based on like movies that you saw, TV shows, books that you read? Um, because that might not be the reality of what you're stepping into. You might have built something up that's not, uh, and you might be disappointed when you get there. So being able to go and touch, have these touch points and data points with different industries and spend some time in them uh, so you can say, oh, wow, I'm so glad I didn't get out and jump, move my family across the country and jump into this job because it is horrible and it's not what I expected at all. You know, it doesn't look like, you know, whatever, law, you know, law and order. This is definitely not that. It, I totally had a mis, uh, misunderstanding of what this was going to be. Um, so being able to take a little time during that last year in and try to do these internships with different companies in the private sector so that you can say, okay, I can cross these off the list for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and coming up with what's important to you, like what's is, uh, what, what's, what your next mission in life is going to be and being able to, to articulate that. And then also that helps because you can say no when right. you get an offer for something. And that's almost more important than being able to say yes, because you only have certain bandwidth. You only have a limited, you have a limited amount of time. So for my wife and I, we identified what was going to be important to us. Uh, and that was freedom, both financially and schedule wise. Yep. Um, and so if I got an offer and I had backups because, you know, it's, it's important to have, to have backups and contingency <laughs> plans. Um, so I had some and I'm glad I didn't have to exercise them because I'm sure I would be miserable. But but I had what, what were your backups? There's some financial uh, industry type stuff where I would have been 
awful at, <laughs> at um, sales and stuff. Space like stuff yeah. It's all working for, for somebody else, you right. know, and just and, and grinding for, for somebody else doing something that I wasn't passionate about, but, but they existed. So that was just like, it was important to have something that existed that we knew we could yeah. fall back on if, if yeah. need be. Um, but and identifying the two things that were important to us, if something didn't hit both of them, it was an instant no. So, hey, you could have this. You, you can control your schedule, um, but uh, but your the financial freedom part is definitely not going to be there. Or, hey, the financial freedom part is going to be there, but you know what? You're not going to control this mm-hmm. schedule. So it was easy to be like, okay, no. And that allowed me to put all that bandwidth into the novels, into writing, into what I was passionate mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wasn't like, okay, let's sit down. Let's talk. Here's this opportunity. Uh, okay. Here's where it is in the country. And we didn't have to do any of that. It's like, nope, didn't hit both. Nope, didn't hit both. Um, so that was, was very beneficial to us as we looked at some of those, some of those backups. But, uh, but for me, the, and I didn't really consider not succeeding in any of this. Uh, and succeeding is a weird word to use, but I guess, um, is succeeding, I mean, by meeting those two, those two parameters that yeah. we set, the financial freedom and the schedule. Did yeah. you so ever, uh, work out. did you ever think or have the vision of your books becoming so exponentially huge? Bestsellers. Yeah. You're Best a New, York, you're a New York times bestseller. Yeah. That's insane. Crazy. Yeah. So I did. Um, and yeah, it's totally naive, of course, um, because people touch like with going to the SEAL teams, people tell you how hard it is. Uh, people tell you, you know, that 80% attrition and all that sort of thing. And in, in my head, when I came in pre-internet days in 96, like I thought a SEAL team was like six guys. Like I had no idea. Like I thought that six people and that was like, okay, there's three on each coast ish. Okay. And there's some SDV stuff going on out there. I'm like, okay, I'll be one of these like 40 people in the world that's going to make it through and be in one of these teams. I didn't even really consider, uh, you know, what that really meant. Of course, there are a lot more than six people on, <laughs> on a team. And I realized that fairly quickly once I got to Bud's. But, uh, uh, but I did. I thought I always knew growing up that, hey, I'm, I'm doing all this to prepare myself for, for Bud's and then uh, going to the SEAL teams and, and uh, you know, fighting for the country. Like everything I'm going to do is going to somehow lead back to, to helping me along, along that path. Uh, so same thing with writing. I, I never considered that these wouldn't be New York Times bestsellers, that an A-list star uh, and, and, uh, and director wouldn't be uh, trans- making it into a film. Like it was just, that's what happened because that's the guys that I read growing up. And that was my kind of, uh, that's just what I expected to have happen because why wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, like that's, that's crazy to, I guess, think that way. But, uh, uh, but that's what I thought. And I actually pictured Chris Pratt starring. Uh, he's the only person I ever wanted to star. Uh, in it. Um, and that's tell him he I had, said hi. He, and that's weird because he was Andy on Parks and Rec. <laughs> I know. I loved he, him on Parks and Rec. Yeah. He was so and goofy. And then when I thought that, so in December of 2014, January of 2015, as I'm starting to write, I'm like, okay, uh, he'd done that and he'd done Zero Dark Thirty, very small role in Zero Dark Thirty. But I was like, this is the guy because he is likable. And he is, and he's in that part of his career where he needs to do something to push himself a little more. He needs to prove to audiences that he can do something dark and primal and visceral and violent, um, and push himself as an actor. And in my head, I'm like, "Yep, Chris Pratt." Uh, and I had no idea that there was a connection to him at all uh, until November of 2017, when a buddy from the SEAL teams calls me, and he's like, "Hey, do you remember me? I hadn't talked to him in about five years. His name's Jared Shaw, awesome guy." And uh, I'm like, "Jared, of course I remember you. How's it going?" And he says, uh, hey, I always wanted to thank you for what you did for me in the SEAL teams. And I couldn't even remember what it was. And uh, I thought, you know, <laughs> you're like, you're I, welcome. It's totally it fine. <laughs> like, we totally would do it again. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. My pleasure. Uh, but he's like, 
He's like, you sat me down in your office. You talked to me about transition. You introduced me to people in the private sector and no one else did anything like that for mm. me. I've never forgotten. I always wanted to thank you. And I was like, no That's problem. That's really important. Uh, yeah. How's it going? And he's like, well, I heard you have a book coming out. And I like, yeah, I have a book coming out. I have this like galley copy thing, which is a rough draft I can send you. And, and he said, yeah, I'd like that, but I'd like to give one to a friend of mine. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Who's that? And he said, Chris Pratt. Oh, like, oh. what a friend to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I sent it to Jared. He read it. He loved it. He gave it to Chris and said, this is your next project. That is so crazy how, yeah, how everything is just kind of interconnected. All right. Talking about transition and I don't necessarily have any experience with this uh, personally with my careers because I've never had to transition out of something that is similar to the military into the civilian world. But I, I highly recommend if you, if you have not listened to the entire podcast with Jack and I, that you go back and that you listen to the podcast that we had together because it is really important. And we do talk about, um, the transition from being in the military and how that is just, it's, it's, it consumes your life. It's everything. And then going into the civilian sector, um, of, of just finding yourself again. And it's almost like, you know, there, there have been a couple of times with my fitness stuff that, uh, whenever I've had to let things go or, or, um, I don't know, it's, it's, Hard. it's easy. It's, e- it feels like you, you're losing your identity a little bit because we allow either, um, either things that we've, we've done for most of our lives. Like, I mean, if you're like a, a college athlete or mm-hmm. if you, you know, we, we have a tendency to just kind of emerge ourselves into whatever it like is that, that we're really good goal depression we've talked about a few times yeah on here. and then you it almost becomes your identity and like like lena was saying if you're waking up every day and you're training for a marathon you're training for a marathon and that's all you you know eat sleep and breathe and that is your life and there's absolutely nothing wrong, wrong with, with that, that in fact no. like, like if you have a goal and you're going all in like that's that's, that's how it should be yeah exactly but what happens when you transition out of that uh, you, it's it, because it becomes, it's like your identity for so long. Like mm-hmm. your friends are runners, you're eating like a runner, you're sleeping like a runner. Like, if that's oh, shit, even a thing. What? what? It's like, oh shit, now what? Yeah. So it's, um, it really go back. I, I, I recommend going back and taking a listen at, uh, my podcast with Jack Carr. And I know that you're going to be able to take some, uh, real life advice from him Such and be able to apply guy. that. Yeah. He's awesome. And, uh, and then also I, if you guys have not read his books, I read think the books. Read the books because I love them. Uh, moving on to Dean Carnassus. Uh, Dean is a legendary endurance athlete. Uh, he appeared on the show in June um, on ten separate occasions. He's ran a two hundred mile relay race solo. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that. Still. That's crazy. It's, it's, He's done some crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. He's an ESPN SB winner and a three-time recipient of Competitor Magazine's Endurance Athlete of the Year Award. He's um, carried the Olympic torch twice. That's so cool. What a crazy honor. Um, and he's the recipient of the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, in this clip, Dean discusses how to develop fitness endurance and his approach to training, even as he gets older. So we're going to take a listen to this clip um, and then we're going to come right back. Hi. 
How was it running in your 30s to running now? Like, how has that changed? Um, has it become easier? Is it more difficult, like mentally? Um, how is that? How is the transition of just like over the years of just like running compared to like when you started um, and to where you are right now? Yeah, so I'm like you, I'm pretty muscular. And when I first started, you know, I'm also a surfer and a windsurfer. So, you know, that, that builds a lot of upper body strength. And when I first got into it in my 30s, you know, I was spending as much time surfing as I was running and training. Mm. Um, what I found is, you know, as, as I progressed, <laughs> in other words, gotten older, uh, my speed has just gone out the window. So I've had to train twice as hard to kind of keep up the same pace that I used to be able to easily achieve when I was younger. Uh-huh. I think the good news is that, you know, as we discussed, the, nutri- you know, the nutritional sciences have, in- have improved so much for endurance athletes, as well as, you know, training techniques. So uh-huh. I'm doing a lot of HIIT training, a lot of cross training. Uh, I'm really looking at myself uh, through the lens of being the best animal that I can be. Mm. And that includes, you know, running, uh, cross training, uh, diet and nutrition, mm. uh, you know, optimizing my sleep quality. Mm-hmm. as well as uh, interpersonal relationships. I try to have harmonious interpersonal relationships because I think that helps our performance in ways that a lot of people don't even realize. So I, t- I try to optimize all of those things now. And, and before, you know, I, I, w- I didn't have a coach. I didn't really, you know, uh, adhere to strict training blocks. I would just go running mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, just my youth <laughs> and yeah. my own strength kind of did the rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what would you recommend to somebody? Like if I came to you and I said, okay, I want to train for a 50 miler. I've done a half marathon. Uh, what would be like the first steps and like the building blocks? Um, like, is there like a time frame that you personally would recommend, like give yourself six months or do you think it also varies from one athlete to another athlete and how much that they can progress? Like if, if someone came to you and they're like, okay, like I can run a little bit, Um, I'm not going from like couch to 5k, like I'm beyond that. What would you say? Like, how would you, um, how would you kind of program that? And what, what advice or recommendation would you give them? I think it's very individualized, you know, as we discussed. So I think it's, you know, on a case by case basis, but I would say, you know, allow at least three to six months to train, to get up to that next level. And, you know, the one thing I would highly encourage is, doing some long, slow runs that, you know, LSD, they call it long, slow distance. Yeah. And by that, I mean, you know, literally running for eight or nine or 10 hours, just, wow. you know, don't even worry about your pace. Mm-hmm. Just be on your feet moving for that amount of time. Cause you know, that's inevitably what happens when you run your first 50 miler, you're on your feet for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you know, if you just train by running really hard for an hour or two hours, you know, you've got the engine built, but you don't have the endurance. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing I would recommend. And then when it, when it comes to running a hundred miles, that's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a whole other recommendations for, for someone who wants to run a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. So whenever you say the, um, LSD, would you say doing that like once a week or is it twice a week or what, what would you recommend? Yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, follow the hard, easy protocol. Mm-hmm. So some days go really hard and short, maybe, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, but, you know, tempo at tempo. Yeah. So really hard effort. And then I would say maybe a couple of times a week, uh, try to get out for a longer run. I would say maybe once a week, like on a, on a weekend, try mm-hmm. to do an eight or 10 hour run. 
mm-hmm. but then back it up the next day with a three or four hour run. So you just right. get used to that sort of punishment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get used to the punishment. I like it. Getting used to the punishment. That is his, uh, his quote and something to take with you guys today is that you got to suck it up. You got to suck up the pain and know that it's in the moments of suffering are the times that you guys truly grow and get better at whatever it is that you're doing. And if you can live in that moment, the longer you can live in that moment of suffering are that is the times and the, and the, the key uh, the key areas that you will continue to grow. Um, so a lot of really good takeaway. I just, I was just blown away by everything that he has done. And I, I was asking him about recovery and stuff. And he's like, no, he never really gets sore ever. What? So he says he doesn't that, have lactic acid in his body. He's like a Michael Phelps. I know. He says that he just, he stands all the time. Like even whenever we were doing the podcast, he, was he stood. Uh huh. Wow. Very interesting. That's why I was like, I was like, I've never thought about that. He's the Michael I mean, I've Phelps done some of the crazy runs. Because, well, that's the thing. I feel like some people's bodies just adapt differently. You I, know? I mean, they recover differently. That makes sense. No one's I don't the know. same. I don't, I don't want to say that he's a superhero. However, <laughs> I think that. Uh, Pretty damn close. <laughs> I think I would love to check out his DNA. because uh, Right. Yeah, I wonder who his uh, it's like him and Tom who his Brady. parents are and his uh, ancestors are and where he comes from. It's probably the Flintstone era of yeah. running everywhere. <laughs> they they know their shit. <laughs> uh, but if you guys, those of you who are getting into runs, and as the weather is cooling off, and you want to get into runs, and I mean, in fact, I had one of my girlfriends reach out to me uh, yesterday, and she was like, "Do you think I can do an ultra in October?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" I was like, it's, "Really?" You know, yeah. I was like, "It's all it's all mental. It's a hundred miler." And you know, again, like we, it's like the it's like the fear of like what if we can't and you know it, it gets to a point to where you guys can train and train for something but it gets to a point it's the mind it's mm-hmm. the mind and I really think that um Dean is on to something about he just stands all the time like he yeah. his his legs never get tired and um it's used and, to it <laughs> yeah so take a listen at his um at his podcast, we talk about running gear. We talk about everything. So really, really good if you're interested in um, any of the running stuff. All right. Megan Kennedy is awesome. Uh, she appeared on the show in June. Um, she is a SWAT team officer and a tactical games champion. In this clip, she discussed what it's like being a SWAT officer um, and her advice for women who are pushing their own passions and calling. Um, one of my big takeaways from listening to, to Megan and some of the advice that she gave um, for people who are trying to get jobs or positions that they might be the minority. Um, it's uh, her advice. And we're going to, we're going to listen to a, a clip here in just a second, but uh, m- her advice was don't ask, don't ask for handouts. Don't ask for, a hand up like Mm -hmm. you guys you have you have to be expected or you are expected to to do the same do the same work and so her story and and her advice that she was given um she went through the SWAT training and she was the only girl I think the first girl in her in her area and she said you know what she was like the thing that I really struggled with um was 
I think she said it was like getting over a wall or mm-hmm. something that she had to do. And she said, I may not have been able to do it as well as some of the guys, but I stood there at the wall and I kept trying. I kept trying until like I either got it and I figured it out or the time was up. I think that, um, you know, if you guys are wanting to not only achieve a certain place, but if you're wanting to excel at a certain place and wherever it is that you're trying to, to, to go and to get, um, don't expect things, especially if you're a minority, don't expect things to be any easier for you. In fact, she said it so, so perfectly that she did not, she did not like, she wanted the respect out of her, her team. Like Like you don't get respect when you get handouts. You don't. And she wanted, she wanted the confidence to be, to be in her teammates that she could do the job. She could do the job, and if she struggled at something, she would fight until she figured out how to do it or until she was able to complete a task. And that's what I just really admire from Megan. And we're going to take a listen at her clip right now. females right now who are in like, even it could be like even military who are just, you know, they're wanting to progress and to possibly, um, do SWAT or to do something in, uh, in their command or their unit and to progress. Like what advice would you give somebody, a a female that is, that is wanting to kind of make that jump? Um, I honestly, the only thing that popped into my head that I thought of was just keep your head down and grind. Mm -hmm. Like people see work. Mm-hmm. That work speaks so loud for mm-hmm. you. And like, luckily I've had a very good, um, respect as far as my department goes and everything, even besides, you know, they just, in my social media, cause a lot of times social media has looked really negatively on, yeah. um, especially for being on, in law enforcement and everything, but I don't have that at all. I have no issues when it comes to that, but I don't put anything out there that wouldn't be respected by any of them. If anything, they're like, I should probably get in the gym more. I should train just as much as you. So I think that if you just put in the work and just keep your head down, and I know that sucks. It's not like, it's not telling anybody to not be themselves or anything like that. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that you don't have to be the loudest one in the room. Just do the work. Mm -hmm. And it, for me anyway, has seen that it shows leaps and bounds, especially in the SWAT community, because it is a very structured, rigorous thing. Like, you are asked to go in there where a lot of times you know you're going to be shot at and everything. They're not going to want someone who doesn't have the right mindset and they feel that would be more of a hindrance mm-hmm. um, in in that type of structure. They're not going to – I'm trying to think of the right word, really. It's just a certain type of personality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I can be kind of dry personality, but, like, it's just it's just because the things going on in my mind is, like, I'm a realist and everything mm-hmm. else. So I'm just not super boisterous and out there, like – Unfortunately, you just can't be like that all the time. Like you can be outside of work, but at work, I'm there to work. Right. And I guess that's the thing that's worked for me. I don't know that it would work for everyone else, um, but that would be my only advice. Just just grind. Do work. No, I like that too. And and I like the saying of like, like I want to be known as like in the business side of things. I don't want to, I don't want people to be like, oh, like, you know, she's a female. She's, she's a really good businesswoman. Like I just want to be known as a good business woman, just a business person, not the fact that I'm a female. I think that like, you know, back to your point, 
you know, success and hard work, like it, it doesn't genderize like male, female, like hard work is hard work. Like the time put in is the time put in the grind is the grind doing what you do and doing it to the best of your ability. Like that's just putting in the time and the hours. And it doesn't, you know, I like, I, you know, for the longest time, I think in the beginning, cause I started entrepreneur stuff, like when I was, when I was like pretty young and, you know, for the longest time, and I did go over some hurdles because I, I was a female and I felt like in a world that was kind of dominated by men that there were times that people like either wanted to take advantage of me because they thought that I was naive, like a naive female. And it Mm -hmm. got to the point like over the years and like I've, as I've, I've matured that I don't want to just be like, I don't want to be like, Oh, she's like a, a, a good female business woman. Like I just want to be a good business person. I want to operate business. I want to be a, a very successful entrepreneur. Doesn't matter if I'm male, female. Doesn't does it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the grind, the suck. Like if you guys want to be great at whatever it is that you're doing, you have to put in the work and you have to put in the time. And um, you know, it, it, you can't be like, oh, like why well, I had to go through this or this was harder because you know, like I was I was a female. Like no, like no, it's just stop that. Stop being like you had to do this because it was. It, it doesn't matter. You got to put in the hard work and you got to put in the time and you got to put in the hours. So you know. And I like, clearly you've done that, you know? And I think what, by you saying like, whenever you went in and to kind of, you know, you wanted to be on the SWAT team, you didn't ask for any shortcuts. You didn't ask for things to be easier for you. You wanted them to be like the same standard because you want to be like, I can hang with these people. Like, I don't need any favors. I don't need any handouts. I don't need any hand ups. Like, I just want to, I want to show you guys that I can grind and that I'm like willing and capable. And if I had to guess, you're probably better than some of the uh, SWAT guys that are on your team. I'm not saying, I don't know, but I, I have trained like some groups and like, I mean, you know, you're probably, you're probably a really good example to a lot of the people that are on the team. I appreciate it. It's, it's really funny that you say that because that's exactly my mentality all the time is that I don't want to be known as like a good female squad operator. Mm-hmm. I want to be known as a good operator. Yeah. Like take out the female aspect. I don't yeah. want any of that. And I don't think I would have been respected. Like, do I think that is a possibility that I could have gone in there and been like, well, I can't do this or this because I'm a female, whatever, and gotten away with it. But guess what? I would have lost respect from every single person on that team. And that's not what I want. I want every single one of them to trust me, to want me on their team and everything else. And I wouldn't have had that. Mm-hmm. Um, so do I think that there is like females in order or, you know, you go race, female, anything like I know what it is. I know like as, if a, you need to meet something and you're a female that you might get it over someone else who might be more qualified. Yes. Can we just say that that is what it is? Mm-hmm. Because let's just be honest about it. But I'm going to prove to you that I should be in this position yep. because of it as well. It was really cool. You reminded me of it. Uh, recently, we went on some mission with another department and uh, one of the oldest guys on the team that is about to retire. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, this department had mentioned like, oh, I didn't know you guys had a female operator. And he just he's like, well, I looked around and was like, I only see operators here. And I was uh, like, that is so cool. Like, awesome for you to have said something. This is one of the guys that's like, I thought was going to be super against females because at one time they were against having females on the Mm -hmm. team, but it was like, Hmm, it hurt like warm my heart a little bit to hear that. Well, there she said it. She couldn't have said it any better than, than I could is, um, you know, you got to be expected to, to, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work. It doesn't matter. Um, if you're a man, if you're a female, uh, you have to do the grind you have to show up every day, Mm um, putting out. So, um, some really good advice and really inspiring. Uh, it, those of you, 
even if you guys are wanting to get into the tactical games or you're wanting to um, possibly get into SWAT or, or anything in, in a command or, you know, military, police, first responders, go have a listen at Megan Kennedy's uh, podcast that we did back in June. And I know that it will inspire you to just keep pushing and keep paving a path to your goals. Um, but that is all I have for today. Uh, you have anything that you want to say? Do you, do you enjoy that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. We've, we've had a lot of really cool people we on the show. Have. We're very lucky. We have a I lot of cool new people that are coming on I'm that we're going to get. We're going to, yeah, we're going to learn a lot like from these them. episodes. Yeah. Cause we did one back in like Christmas time or new year's. We kind of like look back on the year. And I think this is a good like halfway point. It's like, yeah. okay, look at what we've done just in this year yeah. as well. So I, I love these episodes. I'm excited to see, you know, or I know where we're going, but I'm excited for the, the listeners to see where we're going in this next phase of Reborn. We so. have a lot of great things planned for you guys in the upcoming weeks. So if you have not subscribed, make sure you do that. Definitely get caught up on some of the podcasts because uh, they kind of carry over some of the things that we talk about in the right. beginning. And you guys listening to these podcasts, you get um, you get a little bit more of like behind the scenes of, of the stuff that we're working on, mm. uh, things that I'm planning on and doing we get you get special fitness advice business advice that you can't get anywhere else but here the on the reborn podcast the list of a lifetime the, the wisdom of a lifetime the, yeah, the wisdom of a lifetime I like that <laughs> all right guys my name is ashton horner i'm here with my co-host miss lana del rey we are out have a fabulous fabulous day and we will catch you next time see ya